Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh. This is episode number 157. This week on the show, I've got an incredible conversation with Andrew Schwab of the band Project 86. Um, If that name sounds familiar to you, then awesome, because they've been around for a really long time. Uh, They've been in the scene, um, changing their sound, you know, evolving, growing, maturing, all those things. And they've got a new album coming out. So we wanted to get Andrew on the show, talk a little bit about that, talk about the evolution and the longevity that their band has seen. Um, and yeah, just had a great time talking with him. So really, uh, you know, something that you guys need to, to check out. Um, we talk about this new album, a good deal throughout this. Um, it is for lack of a better term, a concept album. Um, however, as Andrew and I discuss in this episode, the term kind of carries some negative connotation so we don't like to use that this is a album that will sonically stand on its own um whether you deep dive into the lyrics and the story and everything that's really being encompassed into this project or not if you're just a fan of music this album is still going to be something that you need to check out If you're looking for something bigger, um, world building and really diving into this creation, then this is definitely something you should check out. Um, But yeah, had a great time talking with Andrew. Really appreciate him taking the time. So we're just going to dive into this episode right here. This is my conversation with Andrew Schwab of Project 86. Yeah, sweet. So to kick things off, I do start with the same boring ass question every time, simply because I've never challenged myself to come up with something better. Uh, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) It's a simple introduction, man. Who are you? Little background on yourself and kind of why we're having this conversation. Well, my name's Andrew Schwab. I front and founded the band Project 86 in 1996. We've been doing this for quite a while and Uh, We connected because we have a new album dropping. We're actually in the process of finishing up working on a double album, and we're dropping the first part of that uh, on March 24th. Uh, I I don't know when this is airing. You have to forgive me. So this could be in the past. So, But March 24th, 2023, Omni Part 1 is dropping on streaming. This will actually be going live on uh, the 22nd, so just a couple days before it before the album so they can listen to this and go check out the album for sure um for people that aren't familiar with you guys let's talk a little bit about the band um you know like you said founded back in in 96 which for me isn't a big deal because i was born in 85 so i'm like yeah okay Mm -hmm. cool like (laughs) i i remember those times unfortunately a lot of kids don't remember those times anymore right Um, right let's get into a little bit of the backstory on you guys you're this really cool conceptual um horror theme sci-fi themed type of experience and like what went into deciding that we want to make more of a a true 
not that music's not art because I don't mean it that way, but like sure. this more immersive art form, not just being a band. Yeah. So we're talking about the new album right now. And, and this has been a few years in the making and I'm basic, basically pulling out every stop that I've never had the opportunity to pull out or haven't taken the opportunity to pull out throughout my career. I've always wanted to do a double album. I've always wanted to do animated music videos. And so we've, we've dropped three singles prior to the, the album drop on, on streaming. And we did a, a, a video for each one that was hybrid animation, live action. Uh, primarily the look though is, is more of an animated look. Right. Uh, and they are part of a greater piece, a visual album, which is basically going to be a film that uses the music from part one of this double album as the, the score, so to speak. And then I also have written, I'm in the process of editing it, uh, a fiction book that goes along with it. So it's meant to okay. be all kind of tied together. And now the risk in all of this is, you know, when somebody says concept album, you know, right. there's a whole stigma with that, right? Um, but let's be honest, we all love a good story. It's just the idea that the music would be subordinate to story usually means it's not the best album musically and the story turns into a distraction of sorts. Right. So the goal was let's make the best music we've ever made. And for anyone who wants to dig deeper, you know, the face value, the, the periphery, so to speak, uh, of people who aren't like the diehard fan uh, we'll be able to enjoy the music because there's a lot of bangers. Um, that's the goal, at least. Right. Uh, but anyone who's like more of a diehard, more into the lyrics, you know, I, I've kind of developed, a, I guess, a reputation over the years for wanting to take things further in terms of like exploring concepts and such, not just narrative concepts, but just, you know, taking things further, so to right. speak. Yeah. So. The idea here, yeah, is like we, we live in a time where we're, you know, inoculated by tons of music and tons of media and we're sort of numb to it. So let's try to do something different and give people a little bit more immersive experience and see if we can hold their attention a little bit more and take them a little bit further into world building and into, you know, futurism and sci-fi and a little bit of horror and all that stuff using some of the things that are, are our current reality as fodder for the yeah. subject matter. So I find that to be infinitely fascinating and inspiring for me as an artist. And hopefully people who absorb, absorb the content will feel engaged as well. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, growing up in the, what I consider to be one of the resurgent golden ages of music, you know, Coheed and Cambria was one of the biggest bands and they're still out killing it. And they've always been conceptual artists. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's cool because just here recently, it feels like I've interviewed more and more artists that are doing something similar to what you're talking about. Like I'm putting together this album that can stand on its own at face value, but there is so much lore and world building built into the back end of it. If you really dive in, there's a lot of stuff to explore um, there's an artist, uh, or a band down in Australia called the gloom in the corner, and mm -hmm. they're doing this kind of horror conceptual thing. And, you know, it's just this really cool resurgence and almost a, not even necessarily a resurgence, but this, uh, mindset shift that music is truly art and people are starting to be more accepting and open to exactly what you're doing and building this world around it.
Yeah, and it's really coming from a place, uh, from a motivational standpoint of just how do we, how do we stand out among the noise? Like, how do we give people something that that's going to grab their attention? You know, and for us in the specific context of where we are, as in, you know, in an evolutionary sense, you know, this is the eleventh album, studio album that we released. There's that challenge of how do we pave new ground? That's that's the the stakes get higher every time you release something under the same sort of umbrella or the same band because you don't want at least I don't I don't want to keep putting out the same record over and over right. again that, that gets is boring and and it's uninspired and you know people the public the fans can hear it when you're just kind of phoning it in I never want to phone it in so what do I need to do to get myself motivated well like. I'm a huge fan of sci-fi media, sci-fi books. Um, I've always been a fan of all kinds of dystopian, whatever. Um, I, you know, I love fantasy stuff as well. I love world building. I love character. And, and obviously we mentioned story already. Right. It's like story is kind of the glue that holds society together. And yeah. there isn't, there isn't a metal fan out there who doesn't love a good story and a good, a good scare. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so how do we tie all that together into something that still leads with the music, but gives you a lot more if if you're so inclined? It's a lot of work, <laughs> yeah. but it's really fun. It's really fun. Well, you know, obviously the hope and goal is that it'll be commercially successful as well and rewarding mm. that way as well. But from a personal standpoint, how, you know, it's obviously rewarding to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. What's that kind of feel like as you're seeing this quote unquote baby come to life with the story that you're building? Well, I'm cursed with having a skewed sense of currency. And, uh, and this is as compared to, you know, quote unquote mainstream society. Right. And what I mean by that is the thing that's the most valuable to, valuable to me in the whole world is when I have a picture of something in my head and then that picture gets made and it's as good or better than what I imagined. That's one of the most satisfying experiences in life for me. The other is the feedback from people. It's just you create something, you spend a ton of time on it, you know it's for public consumption and you put it out there and have someone say, this is the best thing you've ever done or I'm shocked, like I was not expecting this, this blew me away any kind of reaction even i hate it is a good right. reaction because at least you're it means you're 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 pushing and you're trying something new yeah you know so those two things like the reaction of the the fans or the public or the listener uh and the you know i i get obsessed with a picture and it could be a sonic picture you know yeah. like this is what i want this thing to sound like and i won't rest till it gets there you know and then we get there and it's even better than that. That It feels so good, man. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now, still kind of in the afterglow of creating these music videos. And LP1 is what we call it, the first part of the double yeah. album for Omni. Uh, and uh, just seeing a lot of it just come to fruition and, and still feeling the, the high from that. that it's just so cool. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's something that is... I hate to say lost on people, but I do think maybe underappreciated is a better term for it. When we're talking about like the animated music videos and stuff, I think some people see it as kind of the cop out way. Like, oh, 
they they could just pay someone to sit in a room and do that and it's easier a it's not any less expensive but b all it does is open the fucking door if done correctly to truly represent that visual that you want mm-hmm. so again always a dream of mine to do something with animation and i've not been a fan of the typical performance music video for quite a while right we've done plenty of those uh and obviously we've all consumed plenty of those where it's like the band's playing in the forest and then there's a girl running through a an abandoned house trying to find her way out and she's overcoming obstacles along the way and monsters jump out or what, you know what I mean? We've all seen that a million times. So I'm, you know, I'm either like, let's not do a music video, but we're going to do it. Let's do something different. You know, let's pull from the other media that we enjoy. Like I love animated content, like, like anime and like um, graphic novel type stuff. And even like Frank Miller and, Mm -hmm. There's so many rich pieces of media out there that uh, we could pull from for influence to come up with something that's a little bit cooler. Uh, And that's kind of the inspiration. Uh, Just try to try to do something visually that's stimulating. Otherwise, you know, you're just a part of the noise again. There's so many, so many bands out there just, you know, playing in a room. You know, yeah. how do we re how do we reinvent that? And I'm not saying we're the only ones trying to reinvent that or anything, but it's just again, you get to album eleven, you're like, gosh, let's just do something different, man. Let's do it for right. us. Right. You know, let's do something that we haven't done before. Yeah. Yeah. The whole like you said, like, cool, we've played in an empty warehouse before. Like Yeah. Why why are we going back to an empty warehouse to do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it's crazy too, because I think, you know, fans listeners whatever we're going to call them depending on how deep into it they they get you know i think sometimes they forget that you've grown up over those years too you know like yeah i've been doing this since 96 what was cool in 96 is not cool in 2023 you know and you're not that same kid anymore um and i you know i talk a lot about that like the whole gatekeeping aspect which i don't think you guys are are subject to too much but like you know, when, when fans are like, oh, I miss when they dropped their first album because this was that. And it's like, okay, but they were 17 when they wrote that album and they're 38 now. Like, do you think that they're still worried about the girl in high school that fucking went out with the other guy? Like, that's mm-hmm. not what life is anymore. And you guys have, to your point, evolved this, not only your sound, but the the concept of what my art is has grown mm-hmm. into that as well. Yeah, and and you're touching on something that I've been discussing quite a bit um, recently, uh, both both in the interview context and just with with friends and peers and bandmates and such. We set a bar early in our career that was a certain thing on our second release. Like when people think of Project Eighty Six, if they know our band, they think of Drawing Black Lines, which is our second record, mm-hmm. and we've been held to that bar throughout the entire time since then, and really been chasing that bar you know, since then. And this is the, really the first time that I've ever felt like, man, we, I, I think we challenged the bar. I'm not going to say emphatically that we beat the bar because it's a different kind of record. Right. But like, I feel pretty confident that we, we did something that rivals at least, you know, what most consider to be our best piece of work, which came, you know, early on in our career. Um, the other thing that's, you know, this is kind of a parallel idea, but you know, it's fun to mention it is, you know, 
our heaviest record was our second record as well same mm-hmm. record and then we we evolved from there in a more rock direction but i've had this you know hunger and this hankering along the way to go much much heavier and yeah. this record is finally that that coming to life as well so that's another itch that i'm i'm able to scratch here um that's really satisfying when i when i first heard the song metatropolis which is track six on our new on our new release coming up here it was the first single we dropped um i you know leaving the studio i got you know a rough of the vocal with the the music and just listening that on the hour car ride home was one of the best moments of my career right so i'm like we finally did it we finally did the thing that i've been trying to do and i hope people feel this i think they will yeah, because this stokes me out so much, and it's so heavy, you know. Yeah, for sure. And there's kind of two things I want to want to go into based off that is, um, on the first side is going to be, you know, you talk about that bar that was kind of set, and, you know, more so from the commercial aspect, you know, the fan base, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel that also is almost a hindrance, right? Like. Do you feel like that held you back because now to your point you're chasing that but you don't want to sound you know what i mean like you don't want to make the same record again and people go oh well yeah it's heavy but it's just the b-sides of what you had left over which is where you always end up if you try to recreate some magic like yeah you know a lot of times you're not in control of that that you know lightning in a bottle you know, yeah. you just have to, you kind of have to just let it happen when it happens. Um, and you're always kind of chasing it, but you, you not, it's out of your hands a little bit. You know, yeah. you can, you know, over time doing this as a career, you get better at creating scenarios where the lightning could emerge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's more about removing hindrances, uh, but it's still not something you have complete control o- over. Um I don't know if this is answering your question or not, but um, I just try to eliminate the variables as much as I can at this stage. Yeah. And I've learned a little bit about staying in a place of inspiration and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis. Um, so process type stuff where it's like, instead of sitting down and going, I'm going to write a song now, you know, right. uh, avoiding that scenario at all costs and more more just kind of being a little bit more removed about it and just soaking up stuff around you whatever that is it could be sitting in a coffee shop and watching people or it could be you know listening to a totally different genre of music you know like classical film scores or it could be reading certain books you know, or maybe there's a handful of films that every time you watch those films, you go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just, oh, oh, it just gets you. So taking notes, what are those buttons? You know, how do you push those buttons more and be intentional about that instead of doing the thing where it's just like, okay, I got to sound right a song now. You know, right. yeah. maybe, maybe you put on that film and you make some good food and like you just journal a little bit you know, or whatever that thing is you do to get out your ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So just experimenting with process, you know, I'm getting off track from what you No, asked, no, you're, like, you're totally fine. You know, that, that, I'm just kind of riffing. Yeah, no, and I think that's a great answer. 
Um, and it still ties into the second part that I was, was, uh, or that I want to ask about. And that's, you know, you mentioned after that second record, you kind of transitioned into more of a rock realm. Um, maybe not at the time was it as intentional, but in hindsight, do you think maybe that's because where the, the industry was going, that rock was the more prevalent thing. And that again, maybe subconsciously now metal is seeing that, that kind of rebirth. So it's like, okay, it's okay for us to get heavy because people want that. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I really didn't start paying attention to sort of this heavy music revolution or reemergence that's really been happening until like I started watching YouTube videos of a few bands I really like Mm -hmm. and, and bands that have been doing it a while, like Meshuggah, you know, and seeing the size of crowds they are playing for. And I'm just like, I'm like, are these guys bigger now? Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, or, or pick a band, you know, like, a band like uh, Mastodon or, or Gojira or, you know, any of them pick, pick a metal band that's been doing it a while. Is that is, you know, the upper echelon of, of, of the metal world. Like they're doing better now than they have in ages or ever. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you when, when we kind of got away from the sound of our early career and kind of evolved towards rock, um, it was, it was reactionary, but in a different way. It wasn't industry-based per se. It was more of the fact like we were signed to a major label and we were in a position where we were negotiating a new deal. Mm-hmm. And the leverage on their end was like, you know, give us the songs that we want, you right. know? So that became kind of the emphasis. Yeah. Of course, we all want to be in a big band. Yeah. Um, so, that you know, you know how that game and and but it didn't work out that we were triple platinum after that yeah uh but we knew we also knew and i should mention this that what we had done while it was cool when we started it became less cool not just to the public but also to us you know so we knew we we needed to go in a different direction creatively um and i I just know that a part of me like wanted to take that energy from our heaviest record and, and do something even more extreme, you know, because I love that personally, you know, would that have been the best career decision at the time? I don't know. You know, I'm just talking about personally hindsight's always 2020. Um, and where it comes from now is like touring with other bands over the years, playing shows, playing festivals, and seeing my peers play music that's a little bit more extreme, a little bit heavier, a little bit more aggressive, and feeling that like, oh, that thing, you know, when yeah. the breakdown kicks in or like, you know, it's just like hits so hard. I'm like, ah, oh, feel jealous. Like, I want, I want my stuff to hit that hard, you know? Yeah. And so finally, we got to this, this release. It was like before we started, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen. This is what we're, we're going to conjure up. And we're not going to stop until we get there yeah. type of thing. And so that was kind of the spirit behind Omni. It's, it's a very pissed off record for sure. I, I got, when I was in the studio doing the vocal, like that was something the producer was said to me consistently. He's like, dude, what are you so mad about, man? Like, <laughs> like in real life, it's just so chill. But like, what's going on? And he's like joking, of course. Right, but, right. You know, but he's like, it just sounds so pissed. I'm like, yes. You know? Yeah. I think that's the thing though is, you know, it, 
being able to almost separate yourself from the art to some extent too that like you can switch that switch when you need to to get into performance mode and it's not you know it's not necessarily a direct reflection of your day-to-day -day persona necessarily Mm-hmm. Oh, not at all. um Not at all. but you know it, it is cool and you know you mentioned uh gojira just a minute ago and it triggered it for me because i just saw them with deftones this last year on that tour and just Great, like great deftones tour. I wish I would yeah have seen that. bro deftones and gojira both you're like i'm standing in the crowd and i'm like holy how is this fucking real life first off but then on top of that like you said like they're on a different level now like i remember listening to both those bands 10 15 years ago and people being like who like why do you care about this thing and now to see them again it's like oh fuck they're you know it's all there that passion um and that's something you mentioned too as far as like staying true to yourselves authenticity is something i talk to a lot of artists about and you know you go through these cycles of changing your sound and your your image your persona whatever and fans look at it as oh they've they've changed and it's like well but i'm still me i'm still authentic to me i've just grown you know emotionally maturity whatever um and i think it it sometimes gets misconstrued as selling out to the big machine which again it's corporate america so at some point you kind of have to but <laughs> you know Mm -hmm. i think that's the thing that you're you're also hitting at is even when we were playing the game if you will it always had to be about us and how we feel as people Yeah, uh, the way I articulate that concept at this moment or in this stage of my personal career is I don't have the energy in me to conjure up the level of emotion required to give a convincing, authentic performance if I'm not directly connected to the things that I'm Yes. presenting. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And if I am, I have an unending reservoir of emotion to give, but I have to be connected to the thing that I'm trying to communicate sonically, emotionally, lyrically. Um, Yeah. and that, that has to be there and I don't have a choice. Like I'm also like, I think jealousy is something that every artist deals with. Right. And For sure. like, I I'm, I'm very intentional about trying to check myself about that every single day or use the idea of healthy competition and jealousy to my advantage. Right. So when I say I'm jealous of this, um, I am genuinely jealous of it, but not in a, like, I hate that dude kind of way. Right. More There's like, no, I wish, It's it's more not like, malcontent. I wish I could, It's, I wish it's not I could about, do this. right. So when I say this statement, it's, it's like, I really wish I could do this, but I can't. I really wish I could suspend my own need to directly connect emotionally, lyrically, sonically to the things that I'm working on and just be able to write a commercially big song. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I look at artists that sell a lot of records. Well, that's a, a misnomer now. That doesn't count anymore. Right. That stream But... a million times over big, in a big week. bands, <laughs> really yeah. big bands. And you know that like they've tapped into some formula on how to write a commercial single. And you can feel it when it's not necessarily coming from a very deep place. And yet so many people respond to it.
Yes. I yep. wish I could do that. <laughs> right. I wish I could do that. It's like, <laughs> I read this uh, interview a long, long time ago with Trent Reznor. And he's talking about shooting a music video with Marilyn Manson in the desert. And they've got like mud all over them and snakes and all this stuff. And it's some like hellscape scenario. And it's just right. like, he's just saying how much it sucked. Yeah. And then he's talking about some other artists and he's like, and then here's whoever, I don't know who he was referring to matchbox 20 over here with chicks and all that stuff. <laughs> and then, and then he said something like, you know, somewhere, you know, somewhere my life went the wrong track and like, you know, I'm re I'm rethinking my entire decision-making process about the entire path of my life in light of this, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Scenario. And yet he's making real art, you know, yeah. and he's doing what's, what's, what's true to his soul and it's dark and it's crazy, you know, and he's basically saying the same thing. He's like, I wish I could do that. You know, yeah. I can't, that is not what comes out of me, you know? I have this conversation with my kids all the time because my, my daughter specifically hates my music. She hates it because <laughs> it's like, Dad, what are you so mad about? Why does it have to be so scary? Like, that's not the person that I know. And I try to explain it to her. Nothing I say can, like, rationalize it sufficiently right. for her. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's kind of one thing I would say. It's like, I wish I could do what you're wanting me to do. I just can't. I could. But it's not gonna it's not gonna result in a, a monetizable career. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah, and I think, you know, speaking on Trent briefly, uh, I think it's ironic, you know, hearing him say that, because obviously like we're all human, we all have those thoughts and things like that, but we're talking about fucking Trent Reznor, who nine inch nails has been insanely successful by themselves. The dude helped change the music industry a hundred times and then he's done film score and it's like bro you you are doing shit that there are a million other people looking at you going i wish i could do what he does and mm -hmm. you're looking at this one other person going i wish what i could do what they could do you know and it it's that levels of of competition that we're talking about yeah and it's just human nature you know yeah. we're always going to look at the next guy and envy what that guy has or want that life or whatever um yeah. grass is always greener cliches cliches you know but right. it is it is our nature you know and, and, and in the music industry you do really experience that a lot um over the years uh i you know being on tour with bands and wishing that you were on that next plateau or mm -hmm. watching a band that opens from you when they're young or like on their first record and then they blow up. That's happened a bunch. Yeah. Like I remember at one point early in our career, Lincoln park opened for us on an entire tour on their mm -hmm. first record. Yeah. And Holy cow. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and another tour, August burns red opened for us. It was on their first record and they're yeah. massive now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the further you go, the more you try to embrace, you know, the lane that you are in, hopefully, and find satisfaction in that. And for me, that always comes back to the art, the music, right. you know, the, the lyrics, the, the stuff, you know, yeah. and, and if it's something that I can feel satisfied with, not just when I make it, but a year later, two years later, three years later, this is really satisfying. So I wish again my sense of value was probably a little different, but it is it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But I think the the big difference there is you know 
obviously there's no right or wrong answer on it, but your sense of value is, I say this and maybe I'm wrong for your vision of it, but to me, yours is much more attainable than the materialistic side of, oh, I have to get, you know, Mm -hmm. 9 million streams so that I can make $70 off Spotify and whatever that looks like you know like chasing the cars the houses so sad. it really so fucking sad. is it really fucking is but you know chasing the cars the houses things like that like i feel like you're much more inclined to be let down on that versus mm-hmm. finding the value within the art that you're creating yeah and uh the, the old adage is true like more money more problems kind of thing right. um you know, Shout out Master P uh, on that. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the you know the path of of making music as a career uh, is is a tenuous one. It's a difficult one. Yeah, and it's not one that usually leads to riches. And I, I was you know I have a Patreon community I do for the band, and I do two podcasts a week, and it's a pretty tight knit community and, and I'm really, I gotta give a shout out to all those people right now. Like our Patreon yeah. community, like our inner circle of support is so strong and so loyal and so devoted and, and amazing. Like I can't even put it into words. I talk about it every day with, with someone. Um, I say this all the time on podcasts. Like if, if I would, if I wanted to choose a life that, you know, was about, you know, stuff, accumulating stuff. I wouldn't have chosen this life. The life that I chose is a simple one because uh, there aren't a ton of riches, you know, in the, in the uh, monetary financial or physical sense that you gain from this, but the riches you do get are more lasting and they have to do with the relationships with people and uh, lives that you affect and again, that, that glorious feedback that you get from people when you just make a difference in their day or in, in, in their week or whatever. Yeah. Um, and if you're lucky, maybe you make a piece of art that's like a, 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 an important soundtrack piece to someone's life, you know, yeah. if you're lucky. Um, but if you can do that and just find a way to eat, you know, it is a really rewarding life. It's just different than the norm. For sure. You know yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, what you just mentioned, the the impact on others, you know, without any sort of like savior complex or anything like that, but to yeah. to be able to write a song, make a piece of art, and somebody say, you know, this made me feel this thing, or this helped this thing heal, you know, I, I had this trauma, but you got me through that, like, that is bigger than any paycheck will ever be. Totally, totally. And, uh, Heavy music is unique in that capacity, in my opinion. Heavy music has the ability to go places where few other pieces of media or art forms can go. And only certain people re- like connect with it. It right. only resonates with certain types of people. Um, and, and that, getting back to my daughter again, that's the, the thing I would say to her. I said, well, it's not for you. Right. It's not for you. If I was writing something for you, it would look and sound totally different. This is for specific types of people who have a specific experience in life. Yeah. And for those specific people, this this connects. 
you know, in the same way, you know, you connect with, you know, playing Animal Crossing or, <laughs> or whatever. Nothing wrong you know? with that, you know. Well, and I, I think it goes into, you know, you're exactly right. Like the people that connect with it, it's meant for them. Um, and I think a great example of someone in the music community that has kind of recognized that is Corey Taylor. Like the Slipknot stuff versus the Stone Sour stuff versus his own stuff. Like those are all intended for different different fan bases. Like mm-hmm. sure, there's crossover and there's the quote unquote super fan that likes all of it, whatever. But to your point, you know, like the people that are listening to Iowa by Slipknot are not the same people that, uh, what was that? Uh, whatever the Stone Sour album was called, you know, like mm-hmm. they were designed for different people. And I think it is important to recognize that because, well, you know, we talked earlier about kind of the noise of the industry on the one side with just trying to break through and, and hear it. Um, the flip side of that's true too. Like you're getting a lot of noise from the quote unquote fan base and the messages that people need to focus on. It's easy to get sucked into the hate messages, right? But when, if that's what you're paying attention to, A, the song's probably not for them in the first place. And B, you're going to miss out on those people that are doing exactly what we were just talking about saying, Hey, right. this changed my life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's an inexhaustible conversation because I think there is such an unquantifiable element, uh, in terms of breaking down the connection between the music fan and the the creator of the music. And one of the things that I really believe in that's been kind of eroded, um, a lot by truthfully social media um, is, is the, the power of the imagination as it relates to the mystique of the artists. Mm-hmm. So I, I just remember like falling in love with certain bands or certain artists when I was younger and you didn't really know much about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and you definitely you didn't kinda... know what pizza place they went to today, you know, like yeah, you you didn't... Track that. yeah, they weren't real people. These were mm-hmm. like, these are like superheroes yeah. that we couldn't touch. And all we had were these words, a couple little pieces of art, maybe a band photo and the music, which is the most important thing. And then right. you might find an interview in a magazine, you know, if yeah. they had a record that dropped, you know, or a couple, but otherwise you're left with this sort of like mythos about these people who are so talented and, and spoke your language and made this thing that like you don't know how it was possible that somebody knew you that well to make right you know and it, it, it like i'm gonna sound like an old guy here but uh that's one thing i do miss about the the current era of music you know you yeah. talked about like i i refer to it as um the last golden era of music was like mm-hmm. right around the turn of the millennium mm-hmm. it was when people still went to shows and still bought records yep because the music was still an industry back then and then uh, it became a non-industry about within ten years after that. Yeah. Um, but Napster is when it when it started, right? Like that's when it started. Yeah, the, for when sure. When pirating started happening, when the the internet really, 
you know, I'll make myself sound old too. When the internet really became a part of people's daily mm-hmm. lives, it's like, right. oh, I'm losing. And to your point, you know, like that's exactly why I've changed my interview style. Like I've been doing music journalism for like 19 years now. Mm-hmm. It used to be just, you know, this list of questions because it was being written up, not podcast. Uh, right. I used to ask about the the details of songs and stuff. And then I'm like, at some point, I, I started thinking back to the same thing you're saying. And it's like, but am I stripping away this potentially beautiful connection someone made that maybe isn't even what the artist is talking about, you know? And there was this mm-hmm. interview with uh, Dave Grohl. He was on the Kelly Clarkson show. And she's talking about Learn to Fly and how she loves this beautiful message that he made and blah, blah, blah. And he, he laughs and he goes, I literally wrote that song about wanting to learn how to fucking fly. Like it's, it's about flying a plane. It has nothing to do with anything else. And like, you could just see her whole world shatter. And it's like, that's exactly why I don't do that anymore. Oh man. Yeah. I've had those experiences over the years where I've disappointed someone who thought a specific song was about a specific thing. Right. And I'm a little bit more sensitive to that now because I think when I was younger, Again, old guy speak here. Um, I can't help it. It's uh, fine. <laughs> it was like somebody comes up to you and says, yeah, dude, you wrote this song about, you know, this thing. and I, it, It's so it's so rad that you talk about that. And I'm almost like offended that they didn't get it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I'm like, well, no, dude, it's actually about this. And now when somebody comes to me and says, well, I love this song because it's about this, I usually respond with something to the effect of, you know, that song is really personal to me, but I'm really stoked that you found something personal to connect with it in it. And like, I don't want to take that away from you by going too far into depth about what it means to me. Yeah. Because that's, that's your point of connection to me and the, and the music, you know? So like, that's like kind of the worst sin that you can do in my opinion nowadays is kind of rob someone of their imagination as it, as it relates to their connection to the music, you know? Yeah, the cardinal I totally sin. Agree. I, I totally agree, you know, and it, it makes you think like, obviously the, the quote unquote cheesy version or whatever is like, oh, you know, this song came out when I was going through a breakup and you were going through a breakup at the same time. And it's like, nope, my dog died or like, nope, yeah. that was about these TV characters that I was watching, you know? Like, and how often is that the case? I mean, I think it's more often than not. It's some trivial, stupid thing that the artist was writing about and you know it sounds grandiose because that's their job that's what they're good at that's their skill set they can take anything and turn it into like a chorus or or a dramatic uh statement or story or whatever um but yeah like that's me too like if if i were to talk about all all our whole catalog about what every song is about you know with people i've done a little bit on the patreon you know it's like this is kind of what's inspired it you know but I definitely have those boundaries where it's like, uh, I don't want to ruin this one for people if I tell them what I'm really talking <laughs> right. about right there. You right. Know, there are certain songs where I know I only go so far in explaining that. Yeah, like I really wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that day and I was at a fucking peanut butter, so I got mad. You know what I mean? Like, obviously yeah. not that trivial, but like it, it would be to someone that makes a deep connection, like even though it may have been a deep connection for you, when it when those those contacts don't align 
it like you said kind of breaks that that mirror for them of like oh so my connection isn't isn't right you know and i i don't want to steal that from people either so again i don't ask those questions but i do want to ask some questions on the album since it's going to be dropping uh shortly after this goes live let's talk a little bit about the overarching story and you know we touched on it earlier with it being a, a concept album um i think people often get get scared when they hear that because you kind of touched on it too with their concern is that the songs won't stand on their own yeah um, you know that oh, i have to listen to this album in its entirety in order to love any of these songs and that's not the case it's intended to be digested at least once or twice front to back because that's where the story is but what does it mean to you um for this album let's start with omni and and kind of the part one part of it um to create that story and now that it's coming out what do you want people to kind of hopefully latch onto within it Again, I want to emphasize this. I am hyper aware of that turnoff thing with the idea of concept album. So I like I purposely try not to like say that word, right. you know, in, in, you know, surrounding any sort of public speak surrounding this record. But uh, I'm also a big fan of like sci-fi and and like uh, dystopia. Like I just said, dystopia, and even you know, I've never been a huge like horror fan. When I think horror, I think like just gore for the sake of gore, you know, yeah. like killing for the sake of killing. That's not what this is, but it's meant to be an ominous kind of threatening, uh, unsettling experience to listen to from front to back. Yeah. More of and like a suspense thriller type thing. Like with some moments that are pretty freaking scary. Yeah. And gnarly, you know, and, uh, Oh, where I started with this thing is just, I always reflect on mankind's relationship with technology. I reflect on it on my day in my day-to-day -day life when I play with my iPhone and realize how addicted I am to it. I reflect on it when I see all of the things that are happening in the world right now in 2023 and as this is being written in 2022 that are like cartoon concepts out of some graphic novel that are coming to life before our very eyes. Mm -hmm. And so the one idea that's always fascinated me is the idea of transhumanism. It's, it's, will we ever reach a point as a species to where artificial intelligence or something synthetic uh, is brought into the fold on a cellular or DNA or atomic level with human beings that can expand or eliminate death expand our lifespans or eliminate death so this whole album is about the idea of mankind inventing a technology to cheat death and what might happen in the world if that occurred um there's a lot more to it than that but it's rooted in just mankind's relationship with technology um i reflect on the consequences of social media all the time and how society doesn't really know what we've traded to have a voice. You know what I mean? What we've yeah. traded to have the potential for a platform, what we've traded, you know, so that any person can become Instagram famous, you know, 
We don't know that yet. You know, I can I can hypothesize or conjecture, make conjecture about it, but we don't have the data because not enough time has passed. Um, but I I tend to think it's my theory that when we get further down the line, uh, as long as society survives, um, we will look back and say, we should have thought about that before we did that. You know, it's it's the line from uh, Jurassic Park where uh, Jeff Goldblum says, you were so concerned about whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think whether or not you should. And this is every technological innovation that comes along in civilization, especially in the last hundred years. Yeah. And we get, we, we come up with something and then we do it because there's money to be made on it. And then we get further on down the line and we realize, oh, that, that had really lasting effects and redefined the nature of being alive forever, yeah. you know? So this is the stuff I think about all the time. And I actually think about it beyond like, just watching a movie or reading a book i actually think about it in, in daily life all mm -hmm. the time so i wanted to to do something that touched on that and i thought well what is what is technology technology is mankind's expression of godhood basically yeah it's our our attempt to you know uh make the most perfect existence that we can that's the end goal of every innovation and what would be the ultimate um, destination or goal of that? Well, what's the, the thing that we all deal with, that we're all scared of, that we're all uncomfortable to even look at? And that's coming for all of us. It's death. Yep. You know what I mean? So if we could do it, we would cheat it. We would, it, no matter the cost, we would, we would find a way to do that. And so really this album looks at human nature from the perspective of what might happen in a world where the consequences of death would be removed uh and what would it take for the world to get to that point what would that world look like so there's a lot of world building here inside of this a lot of setting and uh my kind of vision for it was kind of a almost a reemergence of the the biblical tower of babel but instead of it being like a monument, I mean, it functioned as that. It was a, it is in my story, a like resort, a vacation destination where people go uh, for the first time to experience this piece of technology called the augment and who become the human guinea pigs for the singularity basically, mm -hmm. or that's what it's billed as. And so things go real bad when everybody gets together and they announce, hey, we beat death. You know what I mean? Yeah. It gets real weird and real ugly. So that's LP1. And uh, LP2 are two EPs. And I kind of build them to the audience as these aren't the names of them, but this is just a sonic reference as a brutality EP and a digital EP. So one is we're we're actually working on this right now it's yeah. it's really really heavy yeah it's like doom death like it's a lot of a lot of metal influences it's super duper duper heavy and then the other is a little bit more like program beats you know based synthetic sounds you know still mm -hmm. guitars still heavy but like a little bit different while trying not to be like 1997 industrial you know like Right. Still trying to be modern, but within a more digital construct in terms of the sonics. 
So, and then uh, part of our artwork is this triangle that's sort of one of the symbols for the Omni. Um, and Omni is a reference to a uh, big tech company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big tech company actually becomes the one world government as well. Um, and then the two antagonists, one is the founder of the company, the other is this like political military figure. And so they're the two main yeah. characters or whatever. And so getting back to the music, uh, the triangle, uh, the top of the triangle um, or the apex is LP1 and the base of the triangle is the two EPs. So sonically, LP1 sort of sits in the middle of yeah. those two two polar polar ends of the sonic realm of where we're pulling from. Yeah. So there's a lot more to it, but, you know. No, I think that's a good foundation for people that hopefully will listen to this prior to the album coming out or right around that time because then they can go into that album with this this kind of mindset. Okay, I have a general idea of what's supposed to happen and hopefully it'll help them dive into it a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. and make those connections. Um, And you, you made a comment, you know, about the whole cheating death thing. And it reminded me of, I had to look up the name of it, but there's a movie with uh, Justin Timberlake from 2011 um, called in time. And yeah, I like that movie. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. they've, you know, figured out a way that you can like essentially trade your, your years of your life as currency and things like that. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's insane to your point, like once people figured out like, oh, this is stature and this is a status symbol on how much time I have, like people did some fucked up shit in that movie to make sure yeah. they had the time that they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's a challenge inside of this whole thing. And I love a challenge because that's what kind of motivates me to try something new. And that is, can we pull this off? Like, can we pull off doing like a, like a concept-based album where the music is still the strongest thing, yeah. you know? And we defy that sort of stereotype or whatever. Um, that's the rumblings with our fan base right now. It's like, dude, you guys just pulled out the best record of your career. What in the freaking world? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we're dropping music videos that are like pieces of the film piece, right? They're like mm-hmm. small snippets. And people are super stoked on it. Like, I've never seen anything like this. This is so rad. This is so much cooler than anything you've ever done. And it's like, okay, we have a lot more work to do, but so far we're pulling this off. Yeah. You know, like, can we do everything that we set out to do and keep everything in its proper place in terms of priority? You know, make a record that the music is still the most important thing where you don't have to, you don't have to be conscious of any story thing. Just feel right. the music, you know? Yeah. Um, and you can, you can have that and the music is, doesn't suffer at all because of there being a concept there, but still having a really rich concept for someone who wants to go deeper and like be a little bit more immersed in what really is being talked about. And like, the the ties to current events too like it's fiction you know it's fantasy it's pretend right or or conjecture but uh there's a lot of you know what's really going on in the world right now in the dystopian hell of 2023 (laughs) that we live in right that's in there that's in there yeah it's the old um 
you know, Orson Welles type of, of mentality, you know, when he wrote like, oh, that it's just sci-fi. It's just this, this crazy man's vision. And it's like, look at how much shit that he wrote about that has actually come to pass. And it's, mm. it really is kind of terrifying to, to think about. But um, one thing I love doing for someone dropping new, new records I want you to, it's a two-part question, so I want you to pick the song that you think people are going to gravitate to, and then I want you to pick the song that you hope people gravitate to. I think the most immediate song on the record, and the one that will resonate with the most people, is the first single we dropped, Metatropolis. Um, it's, it's very immediate. Um, the song that I hope people really dig into and and kind of see the underlying everything about it is this song called it's the song that comes right before that song on the album it's called when the belfry speaks uh i, I really really want people to react to that one and the good thing is like they've really been reacting to that one you know people that have been hearing the record like um we kind of gave a preview uh made a preview available for certain people in, yeah. in our in our families people that pre-ordered the record basically got to hear it early right um or were a part of our like our long lead pre-order um and i love that song when the belfry speaks because it is the scariest thing that i've ever by far touched and i hope people get that out of it but i hope they understand why it was written and why it's scary, you know, like, you know, metal comes with tropes, right? There's like a whole set of rules when it comes to metal. And I'm of the opinion that metal can be as authentic as anything, you know, and I said it earlier, like heavy music has this potential to be uh, transformative for people in a way that few other mediums or any other mediums can. Yeah. And I firmly believe that. And that's why I make heavy music. Um, but it also has the ability to be as fake as a lot of, a lot, a lot of hip hop. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Cause there's so many tropes and it's like, there's a built-in audience of expectation. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm this dude too. Dude was arm crossed, wearing black, standing up, looking tough, you know, beard, long, whatever, shaved yeah. head, long hair. You know, there's a look. You know, there's a thing, there's an attitude about like heavy music and metal. Um, and like, I feel like we're touching all those, a lot of those tropes and sort of spinning them around, you know, um, or at least we're trying to. Right. And that, that's fun. I like messing with expectation. Um, yeah, for sure. Cause I, I think that's the, the end goal is like, let's try to do something that nobody's ever done before. You know, maybe we're not going to reinvent the wheel, but um, I think we have the potential to do something that at least is a new take on something, you know, a fresh take on something, yeah. you know, and maybe that's, that's, the, you know, aim for the stars and then settle for the moon kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm kind of jumping around a lot of different, no, no, you're different totally thoughts fine. and ideas here, but yeah, no, that, that's a great answer. And I think, you know, hopefully people will, Again, regardless of concept album or not, you know, to me, any album when it drops as a true album should be listened front to back at least the first two to three times, just so you mm -hmm. get the 
whether there's an intended story behind it, whatever. Like it's laid out that way for a reason. No mm-hmm. artist has ever just said, fuck it, put them together and put it out. Like that's not yeah. how that works. So I hope people at least listen to it, you know, like I said, two to three times front to back and then pick out their favorites. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, that's where the appreciation comes in too, because you'll pick up on notes of like, oh shit, like that's a little bit of a callback sonically or even lyrically to this other song that if you're just skipping around picking whatever you may never make that connection right right yeah yeah it's uh one of the pieces of magic uh to in in the the process of doing this stuff is surprises you know people attaching the songs that you didn't think you know Mm -hmm or songs coming out of left field that were kind of in the trash heap of the demo pile. Yeah. And then they, then they get thrown in the mix and you rearrange them a little bit. And then all of a sudden you throw some vocals on there and it's like, Oh shoot, this one's a good one. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting that. You know, I like surprises uh, when you're, when you're in the recording process, Um, surprises in the recording and then surprises in the reactions too. So this album, like I, I really do think that there are a lot of songs that could be placed on a similar level mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see if if certain songs rise to the top or if it's a pretty wide cross-section of opinions um yeah. that result when the album's out for a little bit i'm i'm definitely interested to see that yeah for you personally um and i I've, I've never asked this question because it's never sparked until you just said that so for you personally on like the the artist measure of success would you prefer, you know, four or five, six songs to to kind of have a plateau of of uh, listens and streams, or would you prefer like two to spike really, really high? Like, which one do you think feels more of a success story that you did five songs consistently, or that you hit two out of the park? That's a good question. Uh, a really good question. So throughout the career of our band and this is probably true for a lot of bands you have those signature songs that people relate to mm-hmm. and usually you know however many songs those are those are those are kind of on their own tier right um you really want to at least have one song that that can stand like the scrutiny of being compared to the best songs in your catalog you know, yeah. you, you really do want that. And that's kind of one goal for every record. May, you know, 11 records in, maybe you don't hit that every time. Right. You know, because not every song is going to be special. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and if you're really good, though, you have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of songs that are like not far from that tier. Yeah. Um, but if I could trade, you know, five really, you know, second tier, you know, but solid, above solid, like really good, or like too great, I might go with the too great because those are going to be the songs that people remember. Yeah. You know, and like you don't get disappointed if you don't hit that mark. But to me, like at least for this band, like we've hit good to really good quite a bit in the mm-hmm. eyes of the fans but the great songs have been fewer yeah and 
they're harder to come up with. So to me, that's a bigger challenge. And, and then therefore like a, a, a bigger trophy. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and we're, we're removing like the business side of that because yeah. we're, 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 we're dealing in streams. So let's say, you know, one song gets 10 million streams, whereas there's no other song in your catalog that has more than 3 million or something, or mm-hmm. pick a number. If you apply that and, and say, basically, you're, you're either taking those 10 million streams and you're attributing it to one song or, or let's say two songs like you did, yeah, or you're spreading that out across the entire record, you know, um, it's kind of part and parcel that it's half a dozen one and six right. of the other, you know, I just, I get a kick when, when we get, I get a kick out of having a song that's like transcendent in terms of our, our catalog, but we might actually end up with the latter, which is also pretty satisfying. Like I think people are really going to love this record front to back. Yeah. I, I don't think that even the best songs on this record or even the best two are so far above the rest of the record that, they're not going to, you know, they're going to skip a lot of it. You know, I, I think that, that even when people listen to this record for, you know, the 50th time or 20th time or whatever it is, I think they're going to listen to more tracks than they skip. That's for sure. You know, we have yeah. a couple few interlude type tracks in there. You know, we realize that those might be songs that you don't listen to every single time, but they do contribute to the picture quite right. a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I they think, fit in the context of the spin of the whole record. And that, that's what I was going to say. I think that's something that gets lost a lot of times is the interlude isn't, oh, the band was lazy and didn't have a transition. Like that was an intentional transition, maybe from a super heavy song to bleed into something a little softer or vice versa. Like it's not a, well, we can't yeah. make, we just can't butt those two together. Like, fuck it. We're going to do this. It, it's intentional. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm stoked for that. So kind of my exiting questions, uh, as of late, I bought this game called hot takes. So okay. I'm going to ask you a, a question from the box and okay, cool. uh, just see where, where we go with it. So the one I pulled for you is, uh, sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe for sure. Right. Like yeah. you're a fucking sociopath if you do sock shoe. There's no way. Yeah, I don't know anyone that does that. I don't know anyone that does that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna pull one more because that was such an easy, easy one. Uh, I, I don't feel like that's controversial enough. It was super. <laughs> but it literally was being a stay-at-home mom is a full-time job. Well, fucking if anybody argues with that, you're dumb. Yeah, that's duh. You're right. Uh, this one's interesting in the context of your album, and I really did just grab this at random. Time is a construct. Time is a construct. Ooh, that is a very, very good question. Uh, or a statement, I guess. Uh, not a question, but it begs the question, right? Right. Uh, time is a construct. Hmm. I think it can go both ways. Time is a construct. Um, I mean, from the human perspective, I would say that's not a true statement because, you know, we're limited by lifespan. So, like, that's really what this whole exploration is about on my end with this album. Yeah. Uh, The access to time itself is what we're striving for. 
Um, and I think at which point it doesn't mean anything to us, it becomes a construct. So if you're residing in an eternal space or let's say a, an eternal uh, server, <laughs> a digital right. upload, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking down upon the, the uh, lesser beings that are, that are uh, bound by lifespan, you can make that statement. Right. Uh, but when you're in the skin of a finite human organism, uh, no, time is not a construct. Time is very real. And the older you get, the faster time goes. And there, there's a whole theory behind that, by the way, that um, is kind of wrapped into uh, uh, the record and the lyrics and stuff. I won't go into that now, but um, uh, there's a reason why as we age, it feels like time is moving faster so in that sense um there is a construct element to even experiencing time you know as a finite organism um but but we still do have a measure of perspective on how we experience time uh which which is interesting but uh that i guess that's how i would answer that um yeah i i think that's pretty darn close to kind of how I would answer it as far as like, obviously there's elements that you could make arguments that no, it's not a construct or that yes, it is a construct because if we didn't ever invent the calendar, if we wouldn't have said that there's 24 hours in a day, whatever, like, but at the same time, like, didn't we do that because we, we realized we have a finite amount of time on earth. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it's kind of that, chicken or egg thing like did we create calendars and and a 24-hour clock because this other thing existed or does this other thing exist because we created that um and you know speaking of just briefly on your your comment about time speeding up as as you get older things like that there's also this really bizarre theory that um if you want to dive down a rabbit hole uh they there's a theory that your whole life is just a seven minute uh, memory of like, you're already on your deathbed. Your life is just remembering what you did in your life in the last seven minutes of your brain activity. Hmm. You you see that as a rewind and whatnot. And it's like this really fucked up thing that when you slow down and think about it, you're like, shit, like I'm kind of stuck in this loop because I'm, I'm dying, but I'm just rewatching mm-hmm. my life play as I'm dying. Who knows? You know, it's really bizarre. That is, oh gosh. You know, we're taught to believe our senses, right? Mm-hmm. So from a sensory perspective, you know, it's really difficult to wrap your head around that and give it any sort of credence. Right. Uh, but our sensory experiences can lie to us a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite isms is feelings aren't facts. Yeah. Because your feelings will lie to you and they'll tell you all kinds of things that aren't true. And if you just give it a little bit of time and your feelings die down a little bit, you have a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm of the mind that we don't have the capacity as human beings um to know much of what we would like to oh yeah because of our limitations and a lot of that is bound to sensory experience 
mm-hmm. you know this is very interesting stuff it is very metal to talk about this stuff too <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know we don't have to keep going on it for this episode we'll probably uh try to connect again and and we can have an episode just about this, i, but I like, would love to man that'd be great yeah it, tying it back to your your album though like it kind of goes into the whole ai thing right like so we're bound by our limitations because of the sensory side of it. But as we create and in real life, as we create these AIs and things like that, that aren't bound by that same set of senses, is that capacity higher? It, it should be because their capacity for logic would be much higher because at real time they should be processing. Is this a threat? Is it not a threat? So flight or flight response goes out the window, things like that. Um, it's, it's really fucking bizarre. Yeah, the interesting thing about artificial anything is they have the opposite limitation. Mm-hmm. So that's the difficulty is creating sensory experience in a synthetic life form. Yeah. You know, that that's something I'm sure that humankind will that's a, you know, a variable humankind will solve at some point probably, but that is a big big challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of the standard outro, I obviously will link all the socials and things like that, but where can people find you? How do they find your, uh, Patreon interact with you guys? Things like that. Uh, the main hub is just project86.com. We've got all of our, uh, streaming and pre-order and Patreon information. Uh, they're pretty viable for everybody, uh, when, when they go to just the URL, um, and they can, they can go wherever they want, excuse me. Um, just by going there awesome i've really enjoyed this conversation man i'm i'm serious we can definitely do another episode and, oh yeah i would love uh, to man it's get fantastic it, yeah, so get into the touching on, on so many interesting topics and i really appreciated like uh, your approach and just great questions but it's also conversational love that i also have to give a shout out to my son because i talked about yep, my daughter <laughs> and I, I gotta mention nolan my son uh i was only mentioning my daughter because she's very expressive about di- her disdain for the music right. my son is also in a different way expressed that um but he's a dude so it's like a, a little different i guess right. he doesn't like it any more than her but like you know my daughter's uh, perspective is is like pink and and cute things and fuzzies right. and and barbies and and safe stuff it's like yeah. why do you make such yeah i don't mean to divert to my kids there but i gotta give no, a shout fine. to my yeah. to my son <laughs> yeah, absolutely and you know who it's one of those things god forbid it's gonna sound really weird to say it but i think you'll understand what i mean by this god forbid they ever have to relate to your music right like that's the thought yeah that's the thought yep exactly we're 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 a special set of folks that that get get this stuff but i also realize why we're we're broken in a unique way yes i really appreciated this i definitely want to reconnect uh down the road a little bit we'll do an in-depth maybe album review or um, even just going off on these tangents and, and talk about, you know, we can where also, life is going. Yeah. We can also talk about, um, getting connected when we drop the second part of the yes, album. Absolutely. So we could review part one and, uh, delve into part two, you know, yeah. which will be a, a, a whole other thing. So yeah, that's an absolutely. idea as well, but sure. yeah, pleasure was all mine, dude. I, 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 I love the conversation. It's one of my favorite, 
uh, conversations I've had in this industry. So awesome, yeah, for man. sure. I, I Love really to do appreciate that. that for sure. Definitely. I'll keep you posted on uh, this going live, but like I said, we're, we're going to drop it right before the album for you and gather as much as we can. All right, man. All right, we'll talk again soon. Yep. Sounds good. We'll see you. See you. Bye. Bye. And that was my conversation with Andrew Schwab of Project 86. As always, all of the socials and everything will be linked in the description of the podcast, as Andrew said there towards the end as well. Hitting the website is the easiest way because they have everything linked very simply for you. Um, plus, you can kind of explore and, you know, pick up merch or whatever as well if you're digging everything. So, um, really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Really appreciate Andrew taking the time to have it. Um, I want you guys, you know, this album's coming out in two days. It's called Omni. Um March 24th is the release date. I want you guys to go check it out. I want you to come back to this post wherever you're seeing it, Instagram, Facebook. Um, even if you're just listening on the streaming services, uh, you found the podcast, you know, on Spotify or whatever, leave a comment. Um, you know, let us know that you enjoyed it, what you think of this album. The guys would love to hear the feedback on that as well. So, Definitely want you deep diving into it. Um, again, there's a lot of depth to this album. So if that's your thing, take the time to dive into it. If you're just a music fan, do your surface listens. That's totally fine as well, because this album is going to carry its own weight. Um that's everything for this episode, guys. I've got several more already uh, recorded and ready to go. We're just obviously linking them up into the release schedule. So definitely stay tuned. A lot of great conversations to come on the podcast. Be sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow um, the podcast anywhere that you're streaming it. Head over to Facebook and Instagram. Like and follow us there. Um, and yeah, in the, again, in the comments of this post, tell us what you thought of the conversation, tell us what you thought of the album, just give us the feedback, you know, uh, it's cool for the band to see it as well. So as always, I appreciate everything you guys do for me and remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other and you make the scene.